Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the NFNL podcast for season 2021. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by Nicholas Sacco and Jared Gardner as we look back at all the major points from the NFNL over the course of the weekend and look ahead to what's to come this coming weekend, boys. It was. It felt a bit like preseason turning up to games at the weekend. It was pretty warm Saturday and Sunday, and uh, I think uh, we everyone enjoyed the, the warmer conditions we had. Um, albeit now looking out the window again, it's pretty drab in Melbourne, so I guess it's probably to be expected. But the warm conditions uh, obviously really put everyone to the test. It was a, a trying day for, for players or, or weekend for players right across the board, both indoors and outdoors, but an exciting weekend was had as well. Yeah, it was a, a great weekend of footy, and as you said, it was great conditions uh, across all the games, especially the one we were at at Yulong Reserve. But um, yeah, it was just yeah good to have those conditions, good to see some good free-flowing footy and um, don't know how much longer we'll get that sort of footy for until it kind of gets a bit bit wet and a bit more congest- congested. But, um, yeah, it's good to have that over the weekend. I think we certainly enjoy seeing the, the sun overhead more so than the the rain and, and, and heavy grounds that, uh, that that come with that as well. So we've got a big uh, addition coming up of the NFNL podcast, a couple of special guests, including the assistant coach of Panton Hill, Deanna Berry, of course, AFLW player with the Western Bulldogs. She'll be joining us following uh, Panton Hill's really impressive win, their, their first win of the season for, for 2021, which we'll talk about in a few moments' time as well. Also be joined by Kilmore head netball coach Lisa Mandanichi. We talked about Kilmore a couple of weeks ago, Nick, and at that stage they'd won six of, of seven games of the Friday night, which is a great effort when you've got that many sides uh, competing. We do understand it is still the, the grading component of the season, but they went one better the the Friday night. They just went in round th- three of grading and, and seven wins from seven starts, a perfect weekend, and probably topped off as well by the senior men's football team the following yes. day getting a, a, a massive win, which was a marked turnaround as to, to what we saw the, the week prior when they played South and Rank. So overall, a really good weekend for Kilmore. Absolutely, Samuel. And yeah, we were talking about it a few weeks ago, how they were just nearly there, but good to see their netball form continuing and now the men's football side. We, we saw their game last week against South and Rang and there were, I guess, a few areas they could have improved on throughout the season, but they've responded in a great fashion against a team like Heidelberg West who are already contending for that Division Three flag. So um, a nice start for the Blues so far. Absolutely. So pretty happy faces right across the board at Kilmore over the week. Weekend. We'll start our look back at, at the weekend that was in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. Uh, a few storylines to emerge over the weekend. Jared, we saw Bandura at Yulong Reserve record one of the better wins in, in, in a really entertaining game of footy that, that we enjoyed covering, that's that's for sure. 33 points down during the second term, Bandura was conceded for seven of the first eight goals. The way they came back into that game, albeit against uh, an opposition that was hampered with uh, some significant injuries throughout the, the early part of the game, but from what I saw from them, I know it's early days and they didn't win a game in the second half of last year and it is a pretty young side that got out there, but they are emerging as a contender, having won their past three starts and against you know, some decent opposition as well. Yeah, exactly. And it was just yeah a great game, as you said. And um, it was it was a really weird one because Bandura, they, it felt like they were in the game right up until the, the middle of the second quarter when they really turned it on, but just inaccurate in front of goals and... Uh, as you said, Heidelberg with those three injuries that ended up being just hampered in the end and, um, yeah, just just struggling to, to run out that game. So Bandura run over the top of them and I think it was 12 goals in the in the second half they kicked and, 
yeah, it was just a very a great performance and some of their young players really stepping up. They certainly did. The 23rd player, Jackson Bowne, had a real impact, kicked a couple of goals in the third quarter. Footy, it is a funny game. I mean, we, we spoke to Sam Lloyd after the game and Michael Ryan, but Bundura in the first half, 3-11, a 1-8 at one stage, and then you reverse that after half time, 12 goals, 4, and gee, footy's an, an easier game when, when you kick straight in front of <laughs> yeah. goals for Heidelberg. Went into the game three and zip. It was always going to be the, the biggest challenge probably to this point of the season, an informed Bandura away from home. But uh, the cause wasn't helped by Lockie Wilson um, pulling out. He was a late exclusion. And then having you know Matt Smith, who led the coaches MVP, not make it to the halfway point of the first quarter with a hamstring injury. So there goes two of the top five players in the coaches MVP. Nick Richards and Will Goss also didn't get to half time with hamstring injuries. So all of a sudden, everything going into the game is all rosy, three and zip. You come out of it, yes, it's only one loss and three and one's a great start, but all of a sudden you're, you're looking forward to this weekend and, and scratching your head coming up against the, the twice reigning Premier in West Preston Lakeside and suddenly you're going to, going to have to find some players to, to step up from, from the lower grade because you're going to have to replace a couple through injury. So far from ideal for the Tigers. Yeah, exactly. And I think some of, the, some of those young players that were on the ground throughout the game on Saturday did step up and, and did show some good signs. So I'm sure they... they I hope those injuries that they suffered on the weekend aren't too serious and uh, maybe they're just precautionary leaving them out. But, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one this weekend and uh, probably we really see where they sit in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And that was always going to be the case, wasn't it? Their first three wins, and even, in, I guess, including the game against Bundura at the weekend, all, all four sides that they'd played didn't, didn't feature in the 2019 Meadows Greyhounds Division One finals. So the bigger t- tests were always to come. Um, they did show in the first half, though, when, when things are going well, that what a good side they can be. It's one of the other major talking points to, to come out of the weekend is, is North Heidelberg, the only side now who's undefeated after four rounds. Nick, we saw them in round one, and they were really impressive from the get-go against McLeod, made a, a fast start to that game, and they've now turned that into a fast start across the season under Jason Hentley, 4-0. and zero. And I know I had some doubts going into the year, I think, given the fact that I thought were a lot centred around, you know, Mad Jack Dorr and, mm. and obviously he didn't obviously uh, end up uh, taking to the field for them. They lost a lot of their experienced players uh, after the 2019 season. Always um, some question marks as to, you know, how, how you go with uh, you know, a, a new list, but they're, uh, they just continue to, to find a way to win at the weekend, really challenged by Montmorency. They were a couple of goals down going into the last and, and, and piled on six goals to one in the last quarter to get the win. It's a new forward set up with Jackson Starsevich down there. He kicked a couple both in the second quarter as well, but, but for North Heidelberg, four and zero, what a great place to be. Yeah, and, we, and they've shown in the last few years in that Division One setup that they do have an ability to win when they, ha- when they are faulted by their opposition, and I was very impressed with the fact that they were able to come back. Boomer Harving receiving all 10 coaches votes in that game as well. So um, a brilliant start, I guess, to the year for the Bulldogs. It was that big list turnover that had us concerned at the start of the season and whether they were going to be able to gel and, and really you know, get themselves together to produce a great effort this season. But to be the only side so far undefeated, um, you can't falter their efforts at the moment. Yeah, as I said, perfect, perfect place to be. And, and from four and zero, I mean, the, the challenge for them is going to be how the depth plays out. I guess um, their, their reserve sides had a, a couple of, of heavy defeats uh, early on in the year. So if, you know, as we get into the winter months and you maybe start finding some players, that'll be a challenge. But at four and zero, I mean, if you look, no one wants a crystal ball too far in, in advance. But you think to play finals, generally speaking, 10 wins gets you to finals. 
think from here, that's you know, less than a win every second week. We'll probably get them there for the third consecutive year, which is an amazing effort yeah. for a side that only just came back up into the competition in, in 2018. Yeah, definitely. And and looking at the ladder and just kind of having a look, it's they just score it well. They've, they've scored over 100 points in three out of their four games, and they've they've scored the most out of any side in Division 1. They've scored almost 450 points in their four games. The next best is Heidelberg, who've kicked 366. So the the... Pressure is going to be on their opponent. Can they stop that flow of scoring? Well, look at the um, weekend. I think it's a perfect example of what you said. They were, they were maintain, uh, contained to six goals to three-quarter time. Um, you know, great effort from Montmorency defensively. But then when they had to you know, flick the switch and, and, and probably play a bit more aggressive, you know, six goals in a, in a quarter of footy yeah. to, to win the game. So I think um, f- for mine, uh, they're very worthy of, of sitting top of the ladder and as it stands now, one game clear after a month of footy with um, yeah, plenty of exciting games uh, up ahead. Towards the bottom end of the ladder, there's still th- three sides that had a win after a month. Um, we've seen Whittlesey come up and, and have a competitive effort at the weekend against West Preston, it has to be said, while, while pretty undermanned. and Pretty close too. Northcote Park's showing glimpses, but uh, they've probably struggled over the, the course. But in, in probably a quarter in every game, they've shown that, that they are capable. But McLeod's not one side we are used to seeing down the bottom, but it feels a bit like deja vu because in 2019, they started Norton 4 having played off in, in three consecutive grand finals. They built as the season went on, actually got inside the top five for a short period period and then lost a couple of games late to miss the finals but at Norton 4 for them they've been in most of their games without winning and they have played some tough opposition but at 0-4 and four, where to now for, for the Roos? Yeah look it's a bit of a difficult one there for McLeod I mean always going to be tough playing against an opponent like Greensboro coming off your first three hour games of the season but yeah a disappointing start. I don't feel like they probably deserve to be in that decision, but at the same time, I mean, you just it's just been a disappointing start. It's yeah, Norton for I mean, it's a, it's a long way back. We talked about for for North Heidelberg to you know for them to play finals, probably six. You'd say seven, eleven should definitely get you there in a, in a ten-team competition, but. For McLeod, the, the other way, I think going into the season, I, I had them well and truly in the mix to bounce back and, and play finals footy with a few of the inclusions there, but they're probably going to have to win 11 of mm. you know of 14 games or 10 of 14 games. It's a, it's a long haul back. Um, I mean, th- there are some positives. Some of the young kids have played, have looked okay. Hayden Gill was a, was a forward who's shown a, a bit. Uh, at, at the weekend, they had uh, young Trudgeon coming in from the Northern Knights who, who played really well in his first game. So they're getting some emerging players in there. I think uh, as a club, it was the ground looked looked amazing. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of Dewinton Park now, but it's had the refurbishment. The, the, the ground itself, the, the, the grass on it looks bra- uh, magnificent and obviously the new facilities around the ground as well. So that's a positive. They're going to get plenty of opportunities to play there now. As Nick said a moment ago, they played their first three away from home, but it's uh, a long way back from, from where they currently sit. So um, yeah, it's it's yeah, they, they really have a, a big job ahead of them. And and um, even though they've been close in, in most of their games, probably the exception of round one where North Heidelberg had the game well and truly in control by three quarter time, but the other three McLeods had winning opportunities, but but yet to take it just yet. Yeah, I, th- I think that'd be the one thing internally. They'd look at the four results so far this season, and three of them have come against teams we we probably expect to see in that finals mix in Greensboro, Heidelberg, and North Heidelberg. So you kind of look at that and say, well, you've been in a, in a few of those games and um, that lost to Hurstbridge only by a goal. So it's probably not cause for complete concern just yet. Um, they will look to build as the season goes on, but 
starting yeah. 0 4 is not a good place to be. And they'll get players back. I mean, the start of the year without Lucas Hobbs, who was their best player at the weekend in, in his second game back. Um, Brad Leggett and Anthony Doldy didn't play the first couple, came back on Anzac Day and got injured again. So there are certainly reasons contributing to, to why they are sitting where they are. And, and I think anyone you'd ask they're, they're not your, your standard Norton Forsyth I think they're, they're they can certainly be dangerous and, and they'll win games as, as the season goes on but it's it's a long haul back now so they've got their, their work cut out we'll uh, move into MC Labor Division 2 and uh, we said from the outset we'll have a chat uh, uh, later in the program to the assistant coach of, of Panton Hill but what an emphatic way to, to get on the board for, for the Redbacks at the weekend booted the first seven goals they had 10 changes to the side that, that, that took on Epping at the weekend it's I mean, it's Captain Obvious here, but you know when you get good good players back in the side, you, you expect a spike in performance. They had uh, uh, such an overhaul, almost half of their side that, that lost to St Mary's the week prior didn't pl- uh, uh, didn't play the, the week after, and, and, and vice versa. But when you you get your good players back, all of a sudden it, it clicks, and and they might not have thought it would click as, as quickly as it did. But booted the first seven, and there was no looking back from there. So always good to see a, a newly promoted side get a win early, and for Panton Hill. There's, yeah, there's cause for optimism now, and especially with the game this weekend against the Fitzroy Stars, an opportunity potentially to make it two, two from two. And if they do that, all of a sudden there's breathing space between them and, and the Stars at the bottom of the table. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always knew it was going to be a bit of a challenge coming into this division. They had a really close game against Diamond Creek in their first round match, just not getting over the line. But then um, a few, I guess, heavy defeats would have put them back a little bit. But like you said, having those players coming back into it, it really builds your confidence. And then playing a team that I guess we've spoken about a lot in this division as well and seeing them come away and get a, a job done. I, I know Epping haven't had a great start to their campaign either, but um, yeah, it would, it would be so great for their belief in terms of what they can try and achieve this year. Absolutely. And I think the fact that it's away from home, I think most would have thought that the wins they'd get were probably going to come at home. Smaller ground, very different ground to play at, at Cracknell Reserve, but to do it away from home, um, you know, some of the, new, the players that came into the side had an immediate impact. And, uh, obviously, with um, you know, Brent Ryan, uh, Scott Conti, Nick Parks, into the lineup as well, Matty Fowler and Nathan Hendry. So you're getting good players into the side, although there were some, some handy ones that went out the other way as well. So uh, great win for them, and, and they can certainly build on, on, on that one. And we'll talk with, uh, I'll talk more in depth with uh, Deanna Berry in a few moments' time about Panton Hill. There's one side for mine that's sneaking under the radar in MC Labor Division 2. We mentioned Banyul last week, uh, Nick, mm-hmm. as well, that just doing their, their business a bit more quietly than. Um, maybe 2019 and going well, but but Lowell Plenty is an, another one now. They were the side that's been relegated to come back. We certainly had them well and truly in the mix uh, as being a side that can really contend this year. But you look at their their past couple of results, and, and to think they've started the season three and one, having already played Banyul, Altham, and Thomastown. It's a nice place to be. The, the draw will open up for them eventually. Two consecutive wins against uh, both Altham and Thomastown at the weekend. A real shootout that that game there. There was. Uh, you know, you look at the the scores all the way through, and uh, pretty, yeah, you know, it was almost like cricket scores. It felt like when when you had a look at at the game, finishing 141 to to, to 114. So Thomas down with 17 goals. It's not too often you lose a game. 22 goals kicked in the opening half, and we know that their top end talent is is brilliant when you've got you know Darcy Barden, Tom Keys, Josh Turner. But some of the younger kids are also now having an impact as well. So for Lowell, plenty after a month of footy to be 3-1 and one is a really nice place to be. Yeah, it is. And I think when you look at that, the, the competition that is Division 2, you look at your Thomas Town, you look at your Altham, you look at your Banyul, and they've got 
that absolute star power. You look at Banyol, you've got Jack Langford and Brent Stanton and the like, and Altham, obviously McCaffrey, Woods, and just those players, and even Thomastown, Leonardis, who's come, he's been in the AFL system, and a few of those other guys. Lower Plenty, they have those strong names, but they're probably not as high regarded as some of the others around the competition. So you probably just downplay um, their chances a little bit. But as you said, they take it up to a, a team like Thomastown and beat them fairly convincingly in the end. It's, it's a great sign for what they can do for the rest of this season. Have we changed our opinions on Thomastown this season? I know they were really highly touted coming into it. I know they've lost Capici for a few weeks at the minimum. We saw him on crutches last week. Uh, Mickey Montesano also got injured in that game on Saturday. And they've lost to Altham now. Uh, sorry, they beat Altham rather. But they lost to a team like St. Mary's. Have just had a little bit of a lapse, I feel like, in their last few weeks. Has how has our opinions really changed on them and my, what they can do this year? Mine haven't because of the amount of injuries that, that they're currently yeah. trying to get through as well. Loss of Capici, I mean looks like it's going to be long-term, is, is a massive blow. And we said it last week, Nick, but a shame for the competition because you want to see the, yeah. the X-Factor players out there that, that do the remarkable thing. So that, that, that's a hard one to, I guess, uh, to accept as, as a club when he's kicked 10 in the first two weeks that to lose him uh, the week after is, is such a shame. But just because of the, the number of players have still got to come back into the side, I think that they are capable of bouncing back. But um, I guess the, the last couple of weeks are just a bit of a, a reality check after a, a fast start. But I think they, they expected that challenge because of the number of injuries they had yeah. out. So I think we, we judge them when, when they get their better side on the park. Yeah, I'm probably of the same opinion that it's it, you can't really fault them because of the injuries that they've had. I, I kind of went into the season thinking it was um, Altham and Banyul. Those were the two teams I had right up the top and then it was Lower Plenty and Thomastown and, and possibly Diamond Creek in that next mix to, to possibly challenge. So they're, they're still around the same point I expected them to be. Uh, and yeah, there's still such a long way to go in the season so they can get some of those players back later on and, and really make a charge late in the year. And and I guess the the other one of that we were talking about last week, did our opinion change of Eltham? It was a, a must-win game at the weekend for, for mine when they played Diamond Creek. They just got the, the points there, um, you know, did it, did it the hard way. They uh, tried slightly early, got a, got a lead and then were able to hold off hold on against a fast finishing side so that was a win they just had to to have uh, for Diamond Creek their first loss of the year they still sit uh, pretty in second second position on the ladder but from an Altham perspective they take on Banyul this week and it's another big test as well for them to on, on their home deck to really see whether they've got the the premiership credentials in them so that's a, a big one so yes the past the, the first test but we always said it was going to be a couple of weeks thing so that's an exciting game this weekend with with Banyul uh, away to, to Altham two of the sides that you just mentioned in in your last uh, last breath there Jared that uh, yeah we'll, we'll get a real indication as perhaps who, who the real side to beat is this year with this coming Saturday yeah exactly I, I can't wait for that match on Saturday it's going to be um, a great one yeah as I said the two sides that I predicted to be right up the top of the, of this division so it's going to be very interesting to see what they do and how they come up against each other and um, yeah we'll have a better indication on Saturday afternoon and of course Banyol coming off a, a twilight win over St Mary's uh, at the weekend and uh, we'd be remiss to not mention Watsonia getting their first points of the of the year as well away to the Fitzroy Stars a few of the former Greensboro boys uh, in there that played uh, quite well um, Pickett uh, kicking four in his, his first game for the club was, was one of the, the Key uh, key components of that game there. So for Watsonia, after some near misses in in the opening rounds, have now opened their account and uh, can now I guess push forward fr- from there. So well done to the Saints on on getting that first win on the board. We move our attention to Heidelberg Golf Club Division Three. We went into round four with 
three undefeated sides. That's now down to two. It's two of the local rivals being Lorimer and uh, South Morang, who are undefeated. But it was Kilmore whose um, I guess statement was, was biggest over the course of the weekend. We were probably left a bit... Um, underwhelmed with their performance in round three in the broadcast game against South Morang. Didn't have Chris Ryle out there. He returned at the weekend, and it was a, a big statement. Like I said, 70-point winners against a side that hadn't had gone into the game with a, a perfect record at 3-0. and zero. Generally tight tussles when, when the two sides play in, in Kilmore and Heidelberg West, but a statement if ever we've seen one, and, and with that, I guess it's, it's why. It, it justifies why in the preseason we all had Kilmore as, as a side that could really contend because... When they play to their best, they're, you know, they're as good as anyone. And that's a thumping victory and really went on with, on with the job in the last quarter with uh, seven, uh, six goals to one. Yep, a really impressive victory here for the Blues and, and a great way to get themselves back up after their disappointing loss to the Lions. Uh, Matthew Swindles was great again up forward. Someone like Jackson Kinnear, who kicked three goals, was really outstanding in that match as well. So good to see their forward line functioning a little bit when it... Probably didn't quite work out as well when we saw him against the Lions last week, but um, I'm sure if they continue to work at it, they'll um, continue to be a good threat going into that inside 50 area. And, and on the other side of the coin for Heidelberg West, we know that they started 2019 with five straight wins. Fell away there, missed out on finals. A disappointing loss. I mean, good sides lose games, and, and we probably judge them on, on the response more than anything else, but you don't want this to be, uh, I guess, the, the circuit breaker and all of a sudden it, things turn, turn back the other way. You want this to, you want them to, to bounce back quickly as, as a result of of, uh, of the performance at, at the weekend. I'm pretty sure it's Lorimer this week for them yeah. as well. So sometimes that's actually not the, the worst thing, a game where all of a sudden you, you can't, ex- yeah, anything but your best to this weekend and, and they're going to get found out once again. But you hope it's just a, a learning experience they were you know obviously after a pretty close start or a goal down at quarter time things didn't really go their way again thereafter contained to just the five goals so their response will be interesting for mine a couple of other games uh, were, were close and, and it probably shows that the, the competition there's there's some good competitive games to, to be had through through the great old Altham collegians really pushed Lorimer right throughout um Munda wasn't too far away throughout the, the, the course of the day as well against South Moraine. The final margin maybe doesn't quite indicate that given it ended up at, at 28 points. But it shows that you know, sides who, who didn't play finals, and when you look at Munda, they were only a goal down at, at three-quarter time. But sides that didn't play finals you know, last campaign are starting to challenge those who, who are higher up the table. So one, I guess you, you look at give a big tick to both Lorimer and, and, and South Moraine because they met that challenge and, and broke away from, from their opposition. But there's opportunities to be had for, for sides at the lower end as well. And they're going to game or every game thinking they're, they're a winning chance. Yeah, and it just shows the evenness that the competition is really starting to form now, which is fantastic to see across all levels. Um, shout out as well, obviously, to Josh Williamson, who kicked nine for Lorimer in their big win over Old Elf and Collegians. I guess that his uh, goal fest sort of helped them get over the line in that one. But I've been impressed with Lorimer so far. I know that they've been a team that were highly touted. I said that they would be probably the favourites to win the flag. And as you said off the top, uh, Samuel Day became undefeated as well with South Morang. So, um, yeah, I think the power was probably the more impressive side of the week. Williamson, he could be anything. I mean, he's come from Tasmanian State League. Mm. He was having a massive campaign in 2019 and then he was injured in, uh, in the middle part of the year. It makes a massive difference. We didn't, we didn't see him again thereafter, but didn't play the Anzac round, but 17 goals in his last two games. So um, I'd imagine he's going to be a red-hot favourite for, for a goal-kicking award if, if he can stay healthy and uh, you know, any shape and... 
and with with Laylor as well. I guess that's the other one that they had a win over Reservoir. It was always going to be a, an anticipated game, given it was two sides. So we've had their struggles on the on the park in in the last couple of years. Laylor's only two wins in 2019. Both came against Reservoir. Um, for for the Mustangs, perhaps this was their, their best chance early in the year after already taking on some some good opposition, and it was. A real goal fest early, 10 goals in, in the first quarter. But as the game went on, uh, gradually Layla was able to break away and, and uh, in the last quarter kept the Mustangs scoreless, piling on five goals themselves in the final margin, blew out to 80 points. I think the form leading in, even though they had both hadn't won a game, Layla had, had taken some, some good sides to, to some close margins. But there's enough to, to like about Layla under um, their, their coaching Gary Cutler to think that, you know, it's going to take time, but uh, there's some positive signs. And for Reservoir, we just keep saying it. They just keep putting themselves out there and hope that the wheel can turn. Yeah, and 46 scoring shots as well for Layla. I reckon that's probably the most impressive factor about that game. It shows that they can score. I know it is someone against Reservoir who I'm sure the defence isn't probably up there compared to other sides in the competition. But for the Bloods, that's a fantastic little confidence booster for them. And I'm sure they'll be going into the next few weeks feeling like, like you said, because they have been really competitive against a lot of sides this season. So um, if they can really take that win and, and take it up to the next level, I'm sure they might be able to get a few upsets later in the year. Yeah, well, they're disappointing in round one. 9-16, they kicked against Munda in a loss that, that got away late. So they didn't take their opportunities at the weekend. Well, they didn't quite kick straight, but uh, when you pile on 21 goals, I think it was the, I think Red it was their highest score in, in over a decade. Mm. So um, obviously a, a memorable day for the Bloods. And I think you have to give a shout-out to, to Reservoir's Nick Gregson. He kicked six at the weekend. He, he's doing everything at the moment for them, playing ruck, forward, back, and just giving them a target all over the ground. So um, yeah, I'm sure if they did a, a best and fairest count after four weeks, he'd be you know the length of the Summington straight ahead, but um, you know, he's he's someone who's leading that side and, and performing every week in in we you know a tough circumstances. But you have to give the club credit; they they keep backing up and uh, and presenting, and and you really hope that they can start to, to bridge the gap uh, bridge the gap quickly. To the women's uh, side of things uh, in the, on, on the football field, and it was the final round of grading. I guess um, you know we we get a better picture once grading is completed as as it stands in the first four rounds. Uh, you know, as as it should be, clubs are, are pitted against potentially sides that are much better than them and whatnot, just to see where they sit in, in the scheme of things and how they can compete against better sides. So you can unfortunately see some some blowout results, but uh, by and large, I think it's been a, a really impressive start to the season. I like the response from from VU Western Spurs. You never like to see a side that, a game that's really one sided, but. They're a proud club, the VU Western Spurs. They won two premierships in 2019. Only missed winning the third because they lost the grand final in the, in the third division. But their uh, their first side went through 2019 without a loss. Lost two games in a row and then took on Lowell Plenty, who's the young side on the rise, it feels like, new to our um, our women's competition this year. Taking the competition by storm, winning the first three games and were pitted against VU Western Spurs. And the Spurs, well, they made a statement 107 point winners as I said you don't like to, to usually highlight big big results but I felt that was a real statement by a side that uh, doesn't like losing and uh, had lost the last two and they uh, they showed I guess the new kids on the block what, uh, what life was like in you know a division one competition and, and the Spurs are back to winning ways where they feel they belong yeah exactly they're as you said, they're such a proud club, the VU Western Spurs, and uh, they've had uh, produced so much talent in the women's competition. So it's it's good to see them back on the winners list after a probably disappointing start to the season. Uh, for Lola Plenty, it's it's a pretty good lesson coming up against a side like the VU Western Spurs. So. I think they'll only learn from a yeah. loss like that. And I think in gra- given the fact that it's in grading as well, you, you don't get too disheartened with yeah. that. I guess the, 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 now once um, we get through this week and we don't quite know that the grading, uh, uh, the the finals, 
competitions just yet at the time of recording, so it's something we can look at um, going going forward as well. But um, obviously the, the competitions will be bo- broken into three. We've, we've highlighted Montmorency a couple of times throughout this uh, the podcast as well, but they just continue winning both sides again amongst the winners. So to, we talked about Kilmore's perfect start uh, weekend on a netball front. Well, Montmorency women's as, as a footy club just keep getting the, the job done. 19-point winners their second side over Darabin. 17-point winners their first side over the uh, the Falcons as well, and um, you know they, they just keep getting the, the job done. We talked about Whittlesey breaking through for its first win last week. They've backed it up with a, a second consecutive win as well. But there was also another side that enjoyed their first win, being the Fitzroy Stars. They proved too good for Reservoir. H- historic day for, for them. They, they, their first win in the uh, Northern Football Netball League uh, women's competition. So. Give them absolute full credit. It's great to see, I guess, the support that's been out for them, obviously, on their spiritual home ground in Sir Douglas Nichols as well. And really went on with the job with in the second half and they piled on six unanswered goals. So congratulations to the the Fitzroy Stars on their victory. We are now going to go into the first of our guests. We've got a couple coming up through this program. We're going to have a chat with Deanna Berry now, who is the assistant coach of the... Uh, Panton Hill Football Club also uh, is, of course, an AFLW player. Unfortunately, on the the recovery trail at the moment after sustaining a, a knee injury during the, the Doggies campaign in 2021. So we'll get her insights into, I guess, how she's seen the footy this year, but more importantly, I guess, uh, her moving into, um, you know, into the coaching front. And it's been a great story, guys. Before we get to it, to, to see you know, a woman taking on a, a coaching jo- job for for a men's side, you hope it's the first of, of many to to be able to do that. But but really you know, um, blazing a trail for, for those to, uh, to get involved and, and show that, um, you know, the opportunities are there for women and certainly up, up to the task. Yeah, and Deanna's such a knowledgeable player, obviously, as you said, playing with the Bulldogs in the AFLW. She's been in that elite, elite environment um, and just yeah, has so much to give to Panton Hill and it's great to see her uh, blazing that trail and coaching yeah, at Panton Hill. timing, I guess, uh, you never want to get injured, but um, taking on this role, I'm sure probably time commitments are probably one of the, the greatest headaches. So um, I guess uh, I'd, I'd imagine we'll ask her about it too, but it, it comes at a time where she can now uh, focus on her recovery, but also probably causes a nice distraction as well. And, and then from there, we're going to go directly into uh, a chat with uh, Kilmore netball coach Lisa Mandanichi. As we said, six, uh, seven straight wins on, on Friday night for Kilmore and a pretty remarkable night for their club. So we'll jump into those now, then we'll be back just to wrap things up. You're listening to the NFNL podcast. Our next guest on the NFNL podcast is a LFLW player with the Western Bulldogs who's also doubling up as assistant coach at Panton Hill this season, Deanna Berry. Thank you for joining us on the NFNL podcast. I think probably the first thing we should ask is uh, we believe you're on, uh, on a break at the moment up in Noosa, so thanks for your time there. But uh, I'd imagine you're enjoying the conditions much more than what we're getting in, in raining Melbourne at the moment. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. It's um, yeah, it's nice and sunny today here in Noosa, so lapping it up, and after a win on the weekend, it's even better. Absolutely, and well-deserved. I guess the other thing we should ask before we uh, get into the NFNL-related topics, but uh, the knee, how's that coming on? Unfortunately, um, suffered the, the ACL injury during the course of uh, the AFLW season, but how's the recovery coming with, with that? Yeah, it's going well. Um, it's been good to uh, check in to footy in a different way with that Panton Hill, but um, rehab's going well, surgery's happy and um, all the coaches at, at the footy club are happy with how I'm tracking so hopefully start running in the next two months I'd say would be great um, but yeah, it's slowly ticking off, it's a very slow rehab but um, you can only come back bigger and stronger from these things so 
just a, another few months on the, on the bike and we'll get there. Well, we can't wait to, to watch you in action in uh, next season's uh, AFLW campaign. But uh, obviously, it's, uh, it's been one of the great stories of, of this year is, uh, is seeing you join the, the Panton Hill coaching panel. It's obviously, um, as a competition, we've seen a, a huge uh, growth in, in the women's uh, side of things with, the, the uh, I guess, taking over the uh, women's uh, football competitions and, and having that expand with more NFNL clubs getting involved. Obviously, we know that the netball space as well. But um, I guess the one void... We we had was was females involved in, in coaching in, in men's competitions and obviously um, your uh, appointment as, as coach of or assistant coach at Panton Hill can you just tell us how how that all came about and, and what was it that uh, that drew you to Panton Hill? Yeah look my uncle's up at the club at the moment as vice president um, and the coach Simon went to him and just said what do you reckon would she would Deanna come on board and he said well oh, I don't know um, she's pretty busy, but obviously I'd be happy to ask her and pass on her number if that was the case. And um, that's what happened. And, and Simo, um, Simo gave me a call um, and just asked me if I'd be happy to catch up for coffee and just go over a few things and if I'd be interested in coaching um, at the club. And we caught up, had some coffee, and I left it for a few weeks just to see if it would sit in um, with my schedule. And I spoke to, obviously... Um, Berkey, Nathan Burke at the club and, and got his thoughts on it as well and he kind of said if you can learn the game in another way it's only going to make um, your game easier and you're going to learn the game um, a lot better and faster so I took up the opportunity and then um, yeah, obviously did my knee so it fell into place so I've been able to um, take on the game in a different capacity and um, it's still giving me my 46 on the weekend which is what I'm missing out on at the moment um, so it's really good for that mental capacity as well in terms of coaching itself, had it been anything that, that you'd ever considered in terms of, of getting involved, whether it be at, uh, at a junior club or at a senior club, but prior to, to being asked the question, had you ever considered yourself moving into that coaching space? Um, I wouldn't have thought so. I'm still pretty young, so I didn't think that it'd be on the rise anytime soon. Um, I do enjoy teaching and, and teaching kids, um, but I didn't think that I'd jump straight into senior footy and teaching a group of men. Um, or coaching a group of men, I should say, um, which has been, yeah, it's been, I throw myself into the deep end a little bit, but I think that's how you learn best, and um, that's what I've been able to do in this last few weeks, and we're slowly watching the guys um, put out our plan um, on the field, which is great to watch, and um, yeah, it was great to get that win on the weekend, because it was everything that we've been working towards. How, how have you found it? I mean, it's only really early on in your, I guess, your coaching career, so to speak. But how have you found the, the, the couple of months you've, you've had uh, being involved in that coaching panel at Panton Hill? Uh, it was quite daunting to begin with. Obviously, the 22-year-old walking into a footy club um, full of men that have been playing their whole entire life. But um, they've been really welcoming and opening um, to me and, and have been great in terms of listening and um, taking on my knowledge, which is um, which is really good and really uh, makes it very easy to walk into the footy club. Um, but, yeah, I found it really good, really re- rewarding in terms of um, giving the guys what I know um, in a different way and also helping um, Timo in different ways, giving drills that I've learnt along my way um, and just, yeah, taking my knowledge across um, has been the most rewarding thing so far. And, um, yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's obviously, it's for, for the players themselves, I mean, there's, there's few who have access uh, at, at grassroots level to, to someone who's um, so heavily involved in an elite program such as yourself. But I guess it's, um, I, I guess it's a learning experience for you. But I'd imagine there's, that the benefits are, are just as great for, for the players out there getting 
I guess, intel from someone who, who is heavily involved in, in an elite program and, and getting, I guess, access to the best coaches as well. But um, did, when, you, when you were thinking about t- taking on the role, were you thinking as much about what you could get out of it as perhaps what, what people at grassroots level could, could also get out of it just by having access to, to someone like yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, obviously, I took out of um, the, the chat I had with Berkey that I can, yeah, learn the game, watch the game at a different pace. Um, and just watch different ways of how the game can roll out from the sideline and then obviously taking in everything that I've learned. And I think I've had some pretty um, knowledgeable people along my way that I've learned off. So just taking all, all of that back and, and learning key differences and things like that on game day as well at training that I've been able to do, um, take to the boys and they've been really grateful for that as well. Um, and even things like rehab and um, nutrition and things like that you don't really get um, much learning curve in um, at the at the grassroots level, so it's been good in that capacity for those guys as well. And um, yeah, I think it's been good on on all terms. I think I've learned a lot so far, and I think so of the guys. How do you go on on match day when you actually can't uh, get out there and actually play when you have to, I guess, watch on from the sidelines or whatnot? How's that experience actually been? Where you can't physically have an impact on the game, but obviously in terms of your teaching, you can. How, how have you found that? Um, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty easy. I thought it would be quite hard knowing that I, I can still play. I'm still at the age that I can continue playing. Um, but I think knowing that it's not my teammates, it makes that that little bit easier. If I was um, coaching any of the girls that I knew, I think it would be a lot harder getting on the sidelines. But knowing it's the guys playing and, and I can't get out there and play, it's been, um, yeah, it's been really good just to um, learn, yeah, learn the game on a different level. I think I keep revolving back to that, but um, it's something that I've really taken um, into consideration and it's, and it's been great. With uh, the, the season as it's uh, turned out, obviously there was a, a really tough loss in, in round three. You only managed the one goal against St. Mary's, but remarkable turnaround at the weekend. Uh, kick the first seven goals and, and run away with uh, a really big win against Epping, which was the club's first win in second division for, for I think it's four years now, and obviously the first since coming back up um, into the grade. I mean, what did you, did you make of the performance at the weekend? Yeah, I think the guys just um, put together everything that we've been working towards the whole pre-season um, in the first few rounds. I think we're a bit unlucky round one against Dymo and then um, just took our foot off the pedal a little bit the last two rounds. But um, I think we came with our A game on um, on Saturday and we were able to get the chocolates at the end. But as a credit to the boys, they've been working really hard and we've been um, implementing different different plays and different um, game styles and things like that. And they've taken it all on board and implemented it on the weekend. And, and yeah, we got reward for effort. Um, so hopefully it keeps the ball rolling for those guys because they can see exactly what we can um, implement on game day. Um, and we'll just continue hopefully rolling into next weekend. Obviously, it's always a challenge going up a, a division when, when you see it at any, any grade. But to get that win and the confidence it can, it can now glean going forward, I, I'd imagine it was important to, to get one early in the piece, just as you, as you said there, to, to, to show the players that they are capable at this level to, to build on that now going forward. Yeah, exactly. I think going up that division, everyone wants to play a better, better style of footy and, and a bit faster. So the guys, are, I think, were wrapped with with able to get the four points on the weekend. And, yeah, as I said, gain confidence. I think we've got Fitzroy stars this weekend. So if we continue that run and, and take that build into this weekend, I think the guys will just continue proving for themselves that they are suitable for this uh, level in Division 2. And um, we can certainly stay up and keep working towards, um, yeah, getting more wins on the board. I have to ask one, one question. You mentioned you've got your, your uncle, uh, a couple of uncles involved with the club, but there's also a brother-in-law that you, you actually are coaching in, in Jesse Owens Draper. How does that dynamic work? And uh, do you get, uh, I mean, I imagine it's uh, a different dynamic to when you're probably away from the football field, but, but what's it been like, uh, I guess, giving instructions to, to your brother-in-law? 
Yeah, it hasn't we haven't crossed paths too many times yet. I think because our midfield and he's been playing backline at, at this stage. But um, now we have good chats after the game and um, during the week as well. So it's good to get an insight from a player's point of view. And um, I've actually looked to him a few times, just asking him how I've been going and talking to the guys and things like that. Because obviously, it is my first real coaching experience in this capacity. So um, he's been good for feedback and and letting me know how I'm going. But um, no, nah, it's been good. It's been good learning curves. I think we're both pretty level-headed and um, just continue on our merry way with what, both jobs that we have to continue at the club. I think uh, while, while we have you, would be uh, remiss to not ask you about just your thoughts on, on the women's game as a whole. You've, you've been heavily involved in the AFLW competition since its inception, but, but how have you found, the, I guess, the development of the, the competition and, and the growth and, uh, I guess, just on, on that competition, the AFLW, but, but in women's football as a whole? Yeah, look, it's, it's pretty exciting. I think if you watch the plays that are coming up now, if we had um, the talent pathway that we did have now a few years back, we'd have plenty of players um, in the competition dominating life with your likes of Jess Fitzgerald, who just runs rings around us all. So um, it's continuing to develop, and it's really exciting watching those girls come through that have enormous amount of talent, and, and they're um, continually hardworking. Um, so it's good to watch the game evolve and I can't, I can't wait to see where it goes in the next five to ten years because there's so much talent coming through and um, you can see at grassroots level now how many girls are enjoying playing um, all the way down to Kick. You can see so many girls. It's nice to go down to the park these days and see the girls having a kick with their dad and their mates. Um, I think it's really good to see that female footy is, is expanding and it's finally growing in the capacities that we all knew it would. And and one last one. Hopefully, uh, all things going well. You, you're back on on the field round one next year. But uh, you know, crystal balling down the track, and and hopefully the career runs well uh, into the next uh, decade or so. But de- do you see coaching as perhaps now an avenue that uh, you might explore once once your playing days are done? Yeah. Look, I think it's been something that's been been on the rise since starting at Penn Hill. I've found a real um, passion for it. I think I'm very heavily invested. Each week, I'm looking at stats, I'm looking at vision, I'm trying to find ways to get better. So I think if I continue down that that path and continue that passion, um, hopefully after my footy career, it's something that is on the rise. But um, plenty of years left in me with my footy, so um, we'll look at that again in, in hopefully a decade. Perfect. Well, uh, we really do appreciate your time. We love what you're doing, uh, I guess, on the football field, but also now uh, being a real trailblazer in, in the coaching space as well. So good luck uh, with uh, the remainder of the season with, with Panton Hill and uh, certainly looking forward to, to what is to come uh, over the next few years as well. No, thank you. Thank you for having me, Samuel. At La Trobe University, you'll learn lessons that last your entire professional life. You'll be inspired by thought leaders, change makers and brilliant minds. Teachers who are mentors too. Learn from experts, then become one. Learn the rules, then how to remake them. Discover your path to success and find your dream course at latrobe.edu.au. Latrobe University. All kinds of clever. Our next guest on the NFNL podcast is the head of coaching at Kilmore Football Netball Club, Lisa Mandanici. Lisa, thank you for your time in joining us. A pretty remarkable night for your club on the netball courts last Friday. Seven matches, seven wins. It was a, a remarkable night. Um, can you just take us through it? Yeah, look, we're look, we're super proud of the playing group this season. Um, yeah, look, all as you said, all seven teams won. Um, I look, I'm basically putting it down to a different structure this year. We've um, mixed a lot of the older, more experienced players, and they're taking on a mentoring role across all sections. So I think that's changed the whole dynamics of the club as such and strengthened the teams across the board. 
it's obviously, um, I mean, achieving remarkable results. I think back in, in round one of grading, it was six of seven wins on, on the night. Obviously, round three of grading to, to do it for all seven. What was the, the catalyst for, for coming up with, with that initiative to get the, the more experienced players more involved with, with some of the youngsters in the site? I think um, as a club, we were looking at um, how to build. And I think a lot of, I also run a junior club and I think a lot of the um, players across the board always look up to older, more experienced players. So we've brought them into um, across the teams so that they could really, um, you know, engage with the growth and also be across everything and make sure everyone's comfortable, just not with the coaches at a top level. The, the, the club itself, obviously, the, the Football Netball Club came across to the Northern Football Netball League in 2016, so it's still very much in its infancy since coming across from, from the uh, Riddle District Football Netball League. But um, I guess one of the key differences from, from coming from there to, to playing with us is, is the indoor courts uh, aspect of everything. Um, how has the club found, I guess, the change since coming across to our league, albeit now it's, it's been five years, but also the, the change in, in playing under a roof here on the indoor courts as opposed to, to dealing with the elements outdoors? Look, we love indoor courts. Indoor, net, in, indoor netball is beautiful. It's uh, You can't get wet. <laughs> um, but look, it's um, probably less physical on the body um, being on those sort of surfaces indoors. And um, look, with the competition being 13 sections, a credit to the league, look, it's look one of the best comps around, we believe. What what do you what is it that you enjoy about say this comp compared to, to some of the others you've been involved in? Um, I think that the variety of levels, like so, you've got the ones that are really really competitive, and then you have the ones that have been around for a long time that just physically need to go down some sections just to you know basically they love netball, the passion for netball, but they just can't keep up with that you know level. So yeah, look, having thirteen sections um, is yeah an asset. The, the, the club itself, the netball program, has really grown, in, in particularly in, in recent years. In, in 2018, from a, a winter netball perspective, there were three teams within the club. Now it's grown to, to seven for this uh, upcoming, or, or now, uh, I shouldn't say upcoming, but the, the season that's going in, in, a, in a winter's perspective. What, what do you put the, the growth of, of the, the number of teams in the club, but also, I guess, the number of players that are involved with Kilmore? What do you put that down to? Look, um, Christy and myself came on board and we began running the netball in 2018 uh, or just after. Um, look, I run some, a netball club and I also run a, re, a rep club. So we And we looked at the area and being rural, we thought, oh, um, these players are getting lost after, you know, age of 15. So we sort of have set up a semi-pathway so that they can filter through to us. So that's where the growth has come from, from, you know, um, expanding from the junior levels through to the to this NFNL senior. And I know we're, we're still in the infancy of the season given the fact that we're still at grading, but you've obviously, as it currently stands, over the first three rounds, had some great results as a club right across the board in, in all seven teams. But as a, as a club, what is the goal for season 2021? Oh, like every club, a few premierships would be great. <laughs> but no, look, ideally this season was all about, you know, um, the girls, um, the love of netball and cementing the love for Kilmore and the passion of playing together. So that was what it was about this season, you know, being so, um, you know, COVID, not 
not being able to play, not being able to associate as much. Look, the girls missed it. So that's the big thing with um, actually just bonding everyone to Kilmore and the playing group together. What do you see as the real strengths of, of the club at, at Kilmore? Um, I think, uh, look, the leadership is definitely, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing from the football to the netball. Um, and, you know, just the support of the players from all age groups, um, just, yeah, just getting around each other and supporting each other is the, a very big strength. Back in, in 2019, in, in, from a winter season perspective, Kilmore 1 was, was in Section 4. You, you mentioned this year we're, we're obviously expanding out to, to 13 sections. Um, where do you potentially see them slotting in? I, I know that there's still a round of, of grading to, to come this week, but um, if I guess in, in a perfect world, what, um, what level would you see the top side in Kilmore 1 participating this year? Look, in a perfect world, it would be level, it would be in section one, but you know, it's not that. So, um, look, Kilmore will probably be around the section three, four this year. Um, from 2019, we had a, a lot of different players, a different structure. We also had um, a season where we had a lot of inconsistencies with players, so players coming in and out. So it, it became really hard to have a really balanced season. But in saying that, they still played some good netball. So definitely deserve to be in Div 4. But um, the way the grading is this season, it's very hard to get an indication where you're sitting. So I'm thinking Div 3, 4. With the, I mean, you mentioned before about the, the almost rural component, and we, we know Kilmore, um, in terms of our league's borders, is, is right on the uh, on the periphery and, and, and probably the, the furthest club we have going out north. But how do you go in terms of the travel factor, given the fact that most games are played through the, the Bandura area and, and into Mernda as well. How do, you, how do you go in terms of getting players um, to compete in a competition that's perhaps not so close to them geographically? Look, I think it's because of the quality of the netball. And that's like a lot of us used to travel to Parkville. Well, it's much of a muchness. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, I love the quality, being able to um, spread across all different sections. Um, And I think the players really, um, yeah, they just like the competition as a whole. And just one final one, I guess, just to give an insight into those that uh, might be you know, heading out to the courts on a, on a Friday night, but who, who are some of the players that, from a Kilmore perspective, to, to keep an eye on throughout the, the 2021 season that you think might be emerging or, or those who are just some star players throughout the, the club that uh, you think are worth keeping an eye on? Um, look, can't reveal the players. as We've <laughs> lost a few over the years from being poached. <laughs> But I will say, um, look, Team One has a very strong defender um, who, you know, she gets her hands on it, she gets the intercepts and brings down the ball beautifully. Um, we also have addition of three strong shooters this season. So, you know, they'll be fighting out who's going to take the court because they're pretty accurate and um, it's pretty balanced through the mid-court. Um, team Three, we have our um, a few young ones. Now, it's their first season in NFNL, but they, the defence, the it's two particular defenders in that team who are going to be flying up the um, sections very quickly over the years. So they're um, come along really quicker than I actually expected them to um, and doing amazing. And um, there's a, a couple of shooters in that team three that um, are very young and they're doing an absolutely awesome job as well. well so team five has a family combination with lots of height. So look out for that. Um, and yeah, look, we've got um, 
look, the last two summer seasons, we've had the likes of Chile, Ella, Leah, Sophie, a fair few runners-up that's taken shooting awards. So we do have a lot of great um, players, developing players, and the group is just fantastic. I love it. Love working with them. No, well, uh, we really appreciate you giving us the insight and uh, love that it's, it's spoken like a true coach, certainly keeping the, the cards close to the chest there. But uh, obviously, there's, there's plenty of emerging talent through that list that uh, we look forward to watching throughout 2021. Really appreciate your time in, uh, in joining us and, and giving us that insight again. Well done on, on Friday night's performance in particular. An amazing effort to go at a, a strike rate of 100% across seven teams. So well done on that. Good luck this coming Friday in the final round of grading and then for, for the remainder of the season ahead. Thanks very much for that. The Meadows Conference and Events Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, The Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. Great to have Lisa as part of the NFNL podcast. Now, Jared and Nick, as we finish up uh, this weekend, what are we looking forward to uh, from the, the weekend ahead? Oh, I'll start and I'll look at second division and um, it is a game we've spoken about. It's Altham and Banyul at Altham Central Park. It's yeah, it's it's two sides who are right up there and, and both have been in grand finals in recent years and, and just haven't got over the line. So two sides with a lot of star power. Both have started the season really well. Banyul more so undefeated so far. So yeah, I, I can't wait for this one. It's um, looking looking to be a great matchup and we really get a good gauge on both of these sides on Saturday. And uh, for yourself, Nick? Um, I'm looking more towards Division 1, and I've gone with Heidelberg versus West Preston Lakeside now. Spoke about Heidelberg and their performance last week. Their response will be really key coming into this one. Uh, West Preston, they've had now a couple of wins on the trot following their loss to Greensboro, so they're in some pretty good form as well. Obviously, they had Saad kicking five and Jalen Fort returning for them last week as well. So um, this is a very intriguing matchup because, yeah, both sides at the same record. They'll be looking to try and get that edge heading into the fifth or sixth round of the year. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty intriguing one. Heidelberg's really tr- Troubled West Preston Lakeside over the journey. I, I know that West Preston won the final uh, or the, the semi-final two years ago, and obviously, the, if you're ever going to break the hoodoo, the perfect time is is to do it then. But Heidelberg, if you look at their, their head-to-head record during the home and away campaigns of, of the re- part, uh, most recent years, when we know that West Preston Lakeside has been winning premierships, it's it's pretty remarkable. It's probably better than any other side. So um, yeah, that's a, a big one there to see how. The, the Roosters go out at Wrangell Park and, and to see if Heidelberg can bounce back, albeit with, with some of their key players out. Uh, we talked about it early in the podcast. I'm looking forward to the Heidelberg-West and Lorimer game just to see what the response is from Heidelberg-West after a, a disappointing loss. There's also another game in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 that I guess um, I'm intrigued by, and that's the game between Mernda and Old Altham Collegians. Now, uh, it's at Altham College for the Turtles to host. Both sides have shown... You know, you know, they're competitive enough against the top sides, but all of a sudden, when you look at the way the ladder currently stands, there might only be one uh, room for, for one of them, if any, in, in the final. So this becomes a, an early season final for me. They're both you know, one and three. If you can get to two and three, you can build, but from one and four, you're a long way back. And, and as I said, they're both already a game outside of the final. So um, you know, without the, the most healthy percentage. So I think it's a big game because for me, it's, it's not an elimination just yet. There's enough of the season to be able to salvage something thereafter for the loser. But uh, yeah, it's going to be tough for the loser there. So that's an interesting one. Of, of course, um, at the time of recording, we don't yet have the um, final standings, I guess, of, of what the competition structure will be across our three women's football competitions, nor the, the matchups for, for the netball side of things as well. So just keep heading to the NFNL website to, to find out all those, of course, junior fixtures 
fixtures out there as well. Jared, Nick, thanks for, for joining us uh, uh, this week in, in the podcast and, and thanks to everyone who's tuning in. We look forward to seeing you around the, the courts and the, uh, the football field this weekend and also look forward to having your company next week on the NFNL podcast. 